Welcome to another edition of the PA High School Football Report Podcast. I'm Dana Ben-Gooder alongside my colleague, Eric Epler. We are powered by Penn Live. Every Friday during the scholastic football season, we're dropping a new podcast. It's the midway point of the regular season, and we're excited just to be along for the ride. Ep, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jana. How are you? I'm doing well. Mm, we're really yeah, excited. I- <laughs> I, I know we talked. I know we talked a little about field hockey last week. Oh yeah. You have another one on tap, or did you see a good one? Well, I mean, this week is just a great week. So Tuesday, um, I saw Palmyra versus Lower Dolphin, and when I got to the field, everyone was trying to predict who was going to win, and I just, <laughs> I you know, I had no predictions, as I told you before. If I had money to put on the game, I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, in the end, it was one-one tied. It was a phenomenal game. No surprises that it went into overtime. Each and every girl that got on that field played her heart out. And uh, I'm talking like thrilling moments of just a barreling fast ball to the end line that should have been a goal, but robbed by defenders like Emily Risser and Palmyra. I told her coach at the end, uh, you know, you need to buy her an ice cream and name it like a whistle cream or something. Um, it was just like fantastic. The goalies were on point. And tonight, um, I'm sorry, Thursday night, I'll have uh, Hershey and Lower Dolphin. Same thing. Fantastic field hockey. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely. All right, let's get back to football. Right, we're on the same page now. So uh, we're really excited about this. In the next 30 minutes or so, uh, we'll talk to one of the top young football voices in central Pennsylvania. We had a chance to catch up with Trinity first-year head coach and former Penn State and NFL defensive tackle, Jordan Hill. He gave us a candid, powerful interview, and we think we think you'll enjoy hearing his thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan's been a great uh, sort of ambassador for for Central PA football uh, ever since the Steel High days. Uh, won a state title with the Rollers in two thousand eight, um, and then of course he went on to Penn State. Um, just a prominent, hardworking guy. Um, really loves the game, and he was like he was like. The, the Godfather Part Three, you know what I mean? We talked to him. He said, "Just when I thought might I might be out of football, <laughs> pull me back in, yeah, right. pull me back in." So we'll get his thoughts coming up in a little bit. Um, but he's always a fun interview and a fun guy to talk to. And uh, and, and, and like you said, very candid and open with uh, with his intent. Yeah, powerful. Fraternity and it's uh, and, and beyond. So we'll uh, we'll get his thoughts here in a little bit. All right, let's uh, let's start, Dana. We'll do a quick uh, a quick recap. Uh, where are we at? last week and uh and uh, who'd you see and what impressed you i was in juniata so i went to see juniata versus middletown um, it was an exciting game there was no room in the press box there was no shortage of coverage of the game uh, <laughs> we were packed in there up to the roof uh neither team though they were willing to give up yardage for each other so it was like a very physical game lots of flags thrown um and the standouts were obvious i mean it was gg ortiz he put the points on the board for juniata uh what they needed to beat middletown and i guess like last year middletown rolled over them so they were really stoked to have the win eight to seven and uh i'm also who am i thinking of zachary har and jordan cruz jordan cruz like knocked out a fumble um under the five minute mark or knocked out the ball out of uh, the blue Raiders for a fumble under five minutes. And then followed up by Zachary Har on an interception, like a few minutes later than that, a few minutes after that. So it was just, their defense was tight on lockdown and just didn't give them anything. It was a really exciting game to watch. Yeah. I think uh, most people out outside of Mifflin down didn't give uh, and didn't give Juniata much of a chance in that game. I know I didn't, especially without their quarterback, uh, Jacob Kondo who went down obviously early in the season. Uh, right. with, a broken, with a broken collarbone. So very, very impressed by what Juniata did last week, for sure. They were uh, excited about it. Yeah, I had a triple header. I uh, saw three 
pretty good ball games for what they were. And as Thursday night, it started at the Concrete Palace with Cedar Cliff beating Lowered off in 48-20 in a Keystone Division matchup. This one kind of played out, I think, as expected. Um, lowered off and got to give them credit. Never quit. Uh, they were down and out in this one. Jonte Morris for Cedar Cliff had a big day and Cedar Cliff just kind of the domino effect just took over. Uh, but lowered off and looks like a football team again. Uh, and that's a big credit to Josh Borelli, the first year coach there. Um, so they're going to be, you know, their defense is coming along well too. They got to get a little bit better, a little bit more crisp, uh, offensively to kind of compete week to week, but uh, but they certainly do look like a football team, so hats off to them for, for a good effort. Friday night, CD East 34, State College 13 at the Speedway. Uh, I don't know if there's a more confident crew right now uh, playing in the Mid-Pen Conference than CD East. That's four straight for the Panthers. That's and, a big compliment. Uh, yeah, and they did it, you know, they did it in a different way. Uh, Marcel McDaniels, uh, running back, had a huge day, 202 rushing yards couple of TDs in that one. And the defense is really sort of the unsung hero of this of this football team. I mean, they've had they've played a really strong schedule so far. And um and they've held teams to that 13, 17 mark. Um and they're a whisker short. They're an overtime field goal short uh, of being undefeated at this point. So Good win for CD East. They got they got a big one, another one uh, coming up uh, tonight with Cumberland Valley. They host Cumberland Valley tonight. He's on a three-game winning streak. So Saturday night was Paul Meyer 35, Milton Hershey 14, Henry Hershey Field. Uh, this one was a surprise, uh, basically, just because Paul Meyer was not given much of a chance either against the Spartans. But uh, it didn't help that uh, the Spartans lost their quarterback in this one at the end of the first half. Uh, and it basically, they were really – resigned to running wildcat formations with Deion Bryant. It just didn't work out. Pomar's defense just uh, stood tall in this one with a bunch of takeaways and, and really put it to the Spartans. So the Spartans are Spartans are reeling right now, and they, they've got to turn it around in a hurry if they want to make the postseason. And Paul Myers on an uptick. So we'll see how we'll see how those two teams go in the second half of the season. Yeah, sounds good. Um before we go on in our conversation here, who can you just explain who's at the top of predicting wins? <laughs> 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 the initials are JB. Oh, that's awesome. And it's just through five weeks of the season. Remember, it's a marathon. <laughs> but Jana is right now at the top of the picks list through five weeks. That I'm is, just saying, yeah. the view from the top is nice. I'm a hiker. I climb <laughs> rocks. Uh, I'm not generally someone who brags about these things because I get that they're temporary, but I just, you know, this is probably my only shining moment. So that's, I had to like- That's quite all right. You go, you go right ahead and enjoy this moment. We'll, we'll, I am. Like we'll, I said yesterday, I may or may not be doing a little victory dance. We'll revisit this in the coming weeks for sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so fun. Good stuff. Uh, let's get to that interview with Jordan Hill. We think you're going to like it. Thanks for joining us on another PA High School Football Report. We are thrilled to have Jordan Hill with us this week. Hill is known locally for helping Steel High win the PIAA Class 1A title as a senior in 2008. He went on to play at Penn State and from there was drafted 87th overall in the third round by the Seattle Seahawks in 2013. He contributed to a Super Bowl win in his rookie year. And since then, he's dedicated his time to his community, running multiple camps for kids and has volunteered as a coach for a couple of high schools since leaving the NFL. He shopped around for a head coaching position in recent years and decided upon Trinity. 
Coach, thanks for spending some time with us. Tell us how things are going at Trinity. Thanks for the awesome introduction. First, uh, as Eric knows, I don't do a too good a job of introducing myself. So thank you. <laughs> Um, it's going good. It's going good. You know, taking over a program uh, that hasn't had, you know, a lot of winning success as of as of late. And, you know, right now we stand at three and one um, for this senior class. I may be wrong, but I think we matched their win total, you know, for this senior class in their career. So, you know, it's a big feat for those guys, but, you know, it's a building block. It's something that we continue to want to build upon and, and continue to get better. Jordan, I wanted to check. Uh, I did check your Wikipedia page just to get some dates, just to verify some dates. And I did want to ask you, my first question is, hey, can you still run the 4-7? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> absolutely not. I'm a lot slower now. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are a little smaller. I will say that. I, I know, I know. Obviously, seeking a head coach position, we talked about this uh, before. Uh, prior to you accepting the job, there were four spots open last year uh, in the Midpen Conference, um, and my back channels um, assured me that at least one of those, not named Trinity had you at the top of their list. Um, so what were some of the reasons why you chose Trinity uh, to get uh, to get your coaching career started? Yeah, um, I mean, it was a, it was an awesome opportunity. It's a place that I'm, you know, relatively familiar with, familiar with the community, familiar with the people, uh, know a lot about their history already, being a team that, you know, I had to study, had to understand. Um, and then my running joke around here is there's no great coach at Trinity that isn't from Stilton. <laughs> <laughs> very true very true is um i i know you also got a chance to to bring in um some really sort of blue collar assistant coaches too how invaluable have those guys been through the first not only through camp but the first month of the season oh uh, it's awesome it's awesome because you know one of the things of being a new head coach you know it's my first time doing it you know most times and more often than not I'm doing a lot of other things than just football. You know, the thing that I think I'm really good at. And for me to be able to have a big supporting cast and a supporting cast that, you know, like you said, they're blue collar workers. So, you know, they put their hard hat on and they go to work and they just get the job done. It helps me out a lot. It helps me out a lot. Um, guys that have a lot of playing experience, guys that are, you know, were really good in high school and, and went on to have, you know, football careers beyond. Um, it's guys that these guys, our players respect, right? And the biggest thing, and you know how I am personally, you know, I told them guys, humanize yourself with them, right? It doesn't matter where you're from, different backgrounds. Humanize yourself and, and these guys are going to love you. And we got a lot of players that, you know, are bonding and having good relationships with these coaches. I'm going to jump in real quick and just piggybacking off of what Epp just said, but we know that you've been tested on the field and you've been through some emotional trials as well. Why is it that you're staying in the game as a coach? Um, I mean, I tried like, like heck to, to get away from football and for whatever reason, something kept bringing me back, right? Whether it was a player, whether it was a coach, whether it was just a game of football, I kept getting pulled back, you know, gravity kept bringing me back to it. And I had always had plans and wanting to become a head coach, you know, not necessarily being hired at 29. Um, but that's where we're at now, you know, and I, I felt like I was mature enough and am mature enough to have that position at the time. And, you know, I would think I'm doing a decent job so far. We're talking with Jordan Hill, first year head coach at Trinity High School, former Seattle Seahawks defensive tackle, Penn State, all Big Ten selection. And of course, we can never forget state champion at Steel High as well. Coach, you mentioned uh, about all the other things that come along with being a head coach. That was a, 
that was my next question to segue. Is there one aspect of the job, maybe beyond the X and O's, that's that's more difficult than you anticipated? Um, More difficult than the XOs? I would just say the little need, needs that kids need right before <laughs> we go out on the practice field. <laughs> like a, a thigh pad, a knee pad, an ear pad, or something like that. I'm like, kid, don't ask me that right as I'm walking out on the, on the field, you know? You know, this isn't, this isn't Penn State, this isn't Seattle, where I could tell them to go to the equipment manager and they got a thousand of them. Right. I got to go back to the storage and find one for them. <laughs> but that's, that, you know, that was something and something to this day. I don't know if I'll ever get used to it. Um, I'll just have to find somebody to go run and get it for me. <laughs> hey, you were once that kid looking for the thigh pad and the, <laughs> the extra big shoulder pads because, you know, you had to look you had to look menacing on the field. Yeah, I'd like to think I wasn't, but I know I was. Other people would tell me I'm lying. <laughs> Coaching certainly has become a 24-7 gig. Um, and obviously, you're a fairly new father as well, so I know you're busier than ever. Um, but have you got a chance to work on your golf game at all? I actually have. You know, <laughs> nice. Eric, you, you, you know me well. I, I worked at a golf course in college <laughs> yeah. and then didn't pick up a club you know, for five years, slowly getting back into it. My back's allowing me to do it. Or some people say that's my excuse, but you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Penn state. Obviously assess the start. You got good wins over whiskey and Auburn under the belt. Indiana's on deck here. Uh, how far can this knit squad go? Uh, this one's a big one up coming up. You know, I don't want to sound like coach Franklin and be cliche, but you know, this one is the most important one that's in front of us. Um, I tell you what, there's a different vibe and that thing is rocking up in state college. I haven't missed a home game yet. Um, and this will be the first one this week, you know, we'll miss this one. Um, but there's definitely a different vibe up there. You could tell, you know, whether it be us not being allowed to be in the stadium and being able to get back in there and, and it being that we're undefeated and we got two big wins under our belt. Um, this team is battle tested. You know, it's a team that went 0-5 to start the season last year. They're now being 4-0. You know, that's battle tested. And I'll take my money on the Nittany Lions all the time, but definitely this year. I think the biggest test so far we will have will be Iowa out in Connect Stadium. Um, that was one of the hardest places to play, whether they were yeah. good or bad. Their, their fans are from me to the helmet right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you sit your helmet too far back there, the fans take it and try and pass it up the stadium. It's not. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously a great start for them. Um, you mentioned uh, Coach Franklin too. He he does have a good uh, a good not a good rapport with the media, but obviously he um, he does stress that one day at a time mm-hmm. mentality, and so far it's been working for him. Um, I, 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 most people have asked me too, and, I, and I'm sure I know the answer to this, but yeah, I'm sure you get VIP status up there now, right? You're a sideline guy and, and all that, right? Yeah, I'm on the sideline there. Uh, <laughs> I still got to buy season tickets, though, for my wife. <laughs> my infant needs a ticket, too. So I got to I, I gotta get three season tickets, and then I get one just so my wife has a buddy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, you might catch a little flack for answering this question, but I'm sure you saw them. There's a small part of you like, just maybe a small part, like the Ohio State uniforms the Buckeyes are going to wear uh, when they play your alma mater. All black's better, or all gray's better. These all reds suck. 
the all the all gray is better. <laughs> by by all means, the all gray Absolutely. is better. Yeah, Absolutely. Jana. Yeah. So in your spare time, if you have any, it doesn't seem like you'd have much. You're still pouring yourself into things that matter to you. So you have the Jordan Hill Foundation. Uh, tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So it's a foundation, you know, that is ever growing and making adjustments. Um, started, you know, aspirations in helping with people with diabetes type two to be specific and then turn in overall and kidney disease as well. And it all stems from, you know, sickness my dad has. Um, he has diabetes and kidney disease. Currently is at, you know, Hershey Med three times a week um, doing dialysis. Um, and the thought process went back to 2010 when I was a sophomore at Penn State. Um, it was, to my knowledge, it was my dad's first, but it ended up being his second stroke. Um, first one, you know, that I had actually known of. And I he started having a stroke and I caught him. And kind of life flashed before my eyes. Life got serious and, you know, in a matter of three seconds, you know, for a 19, 20 year old kid. Um, and that's, you know, what got my wheels turning and wanting to help and ultimately not having somebody be in the same situation I had just been in. Um, always had, you know, empathy and passion for helping people, but now it's just dialed in a little bit more. Sure, uh, that life experience is something that's unforgettable and it always defines your next steps forward. So one thing that I did want to take back to football and you and your first year, uh, not specifics on the field, but younger generation somehow, even though you have, you know, 15, 20 plus years into football, they always teach us something. What have you learned so far from your players other than they need to become slightly more organized? What else have you learned from them? Um, I would say for this generation, the kid, you know, how we say they don't do this, they don't do that, they don't know this, they don't know that. This is a very intelligent group of kids. You know, this era is very intelligent. They have a lot of information, right? We're in the social media era. We're in a technology era where everything's instant. So they do know a lot more than we anticipate or do think they know. So there's a lot more on their plate. There's a lot more people talking to them. Um, they see a whole lot more than even when I was growing up, which wasn't that long ago, right? They're seeing so much more than what I was and are being exposed to so much more. So in certain ways, you know, we can be really hard on them and there's a need for it. But I think there's an adjustment, you know, especially for me and like, hey, I've got to have a different conversation with the kid because they know or they see or that something else is going on that, you know, not a different generation of kid had grown up seeing. When you're talking to them one-on-one -on -one personally, I'm just curious because you're in their eyes, this superstar, you know, you've been there, you've done it, you've done the dream. Like, are you talking to them on a level that's also trying to broaden their character in terms of just on, on the field, off the field, like what else they need to contribute to society? Like what is, what is that conversation with you one-on-one -on -one after a, a tough practice? Um, I'm always about the bigger picture. That's kind of how I've always been. Um, Eric's known me since I was a kid, right? I've always kind of been, you know, a little more mature. So I've always thought bigger picture. So those conversations are always more about, you know, life than football. Um, it, football plays a big factor in it, but I think football is the greatest life lesson because there's ups and downs. You, you plan all week for an hour and a half, two hours of a game, and nothing goes as planned. <laughs> you know, you put all this time in, and right. not one thing goes, not one thing works, and you got to adjust on the fly. That's life, right? That's life. Um, I would say the one unique thing that I teach them all the time, like take advantage of football because there's not many opportunities where you get a new opportunity every 30 seconds, right? So you got to have a short-term memory and, and learn how to get over things. All right, we're talking with uh, Trinity first-year head coach Jordan Hill, well-known to the Harrisburg community and beyond, Super Bowl champ, all that good stuff. All right, Jordan, before we let you go, we're going to do a quick rapid fire with you. Just okay. yell out first thing that comes to your mind. 
Got I'm a slow anchor now. We got, no, <laughs> yeah, no thinking at all. All right, rapid fire. Here we go. Best late late night eats at State College. Ooh, late night eats. Pen kebab on college. The college Ave, or it would have been on campus. It's actually called late night. There we go. We'll be looking for a sponsorship from them shortly. All right, James Franklin. James Franklin, enthusiastic. He's all right. very real. <laughs> Saquon Barkley. Greatest Penn State player ever. Nice. All wow. right, last one, guy you, you're well familiar with, Micah Parsons. Best Harrisburg football player ever. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you were born in Harrisburg, buddy. So, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all terrific answers. Jordan, my man, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time on a busy week. We know you're busy uh, there at Trinity. Three and one for the Shamrocks early in the season. Keep it going. Big one on tap. Boiling Springs, right? Boiling Springs. That should be a good one. Absolutely. Lots They're of points. Expect They're lots good. of points in that one. They are oh, yeah. good. <laughs> they are good. Brad Zell does a tremendous job. We had him on last week. So that was, good. That was absolutely good to go. Yeah. All right, buddy. Take care right. of yourself. And we'll be seeing you soon on the sidelines. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, you. Jordan. Thanks again to Coach for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about his foundation, you can visit jordanhillfoundation.org. All right, uh, let's hit that weekly mailbag. So what is this week's pressing question? This one's not really a sexy mailbag question, but it is relevant. It's been relevant now for the past, oh, I don't know, five or six years. But is six classifications in Pennsylvania working? Uh, that's a question I get a lot uh, during the season, especially during the postseason. I get this question a lot. And December really, December 2014 is really when this idea was sort of presented. Um, it's not a new idea. Uh, it's been on the docket several times. Um, if you recall, 1988, when the PIAA started dishing out uh, hardware, state champions, and we have four classifications. We've been that way uh, until basically District 9 rep Bob Tonkin came up with a, a few scenarios that we could expand and sort of, how should I put this, sort of renovate Pennsylvania football a little bit. Um, as you know, it becomes stagnant. Pennsylvania was was in need of some kind of change. And like I said, this had come to a head sort of uh, in, in the late 1990s. There was discussion on this. Uh, and again, in 2009, it actually went to a vote. Uh, it just missed out on a two-thirds majority to expand um, by six votes from the board of directors. So it's been close before. Uh, this time, Tonkin kind of presented a 16-page proposal that had seven different scenarios, seven different options. Um, and the eighth option basically was status quo. Keep everything the same. Let's stick with four. But like I said, PA, PA needed some kind of change. And there was also a rage again, too, about the public versus private debate, too. So think about it. That's 30-plus years without any kind of change. Wow. And, we were, and we were seeing plenty of the same teams um, and plenty of the same sort of teams that have maybe were championship caliber teams getting knocked off in semifinals or quarterfinals. Um, so it, we had become stagnant. And if you think about it too, the other hotbed states uh, for football, like Texas and California, some of these states are running up to seven classifications. I mean, in Texas alone, they run, they go to 5A, but they split it between two divisions, each classification. So there's essentially 10 divisions. California does the same thing, but they split between Northern and Southern. So Alabama has seven classifications. So anyway, to kind of keep, to kind of keep pace and kind of get, kind of update ourselves, I, I think it was the need for the change. Now, I, I kind of went on record uh, in favor of the proposal that would have, that would have basically created five classifications and then a super class. But the reason that was the first one knocked out 
was basically the PIAA would have had to, excuse me, <clears throat> they would have had to run that superclass in a different way. And that's not really what the PIAA wants to do. They want to run everything very similar, same brackets, same things like that. So it would have put like 35, 40 teams in the superclass. And then you would have had that run, you had to run that tournament differently. So that was bonked early. So basically they came up with six classes, even distribution. And you went from about 145 teams per class in four classes to right around 97, 98 in the six classes. So eventually it passed by a 26 to four vote. So the district representatives got to their constituents and most agree that this is what they want. Only the Whitfield, Pittsburgh, um, and the, and the Pittsburgh City League District 8 um, voted against it. So I've heard things from colleagues and fans and oh it waters down the competition i don't think that's the case at all um you're still looking at roughly you know close to 100 teams in each classification with six um playoffs in at the district level now seem tighter um in terms of the number of teams that are qualifying um you went from fifth you went from 16 full weeks to 15 on the schedule which is a good thing to kind of get us out uh, out before christmas because a few years back we were there. So I think I think it's been good for Pennsylvania football. It's obviously created more work for us, uh, for us sports writers, but that's okay. It's football. <laughs> we, have, we have fun with it. Um, but I do think if you look at the championships over the past six years, you see teams that were least represented got to the finals that would not have had the opportunity to get there uh, had it still been for classification. So in that sense, it's it's been a really good thing. In fairness. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I just think it's, I, again, it's it's something that was new and Pennsylvania, as you know, uh, doesn't always um, lean toward new uh, quickly. So I think it's done Pennsylvania football well. Great. Okay. All right. Um, so let's get to the games this weekend. How does it look for uh, Central Pennsylvania, the top game you're looking at? The top game, I think I mentioned earlier, Cumberland Valley, three and two at CDE's four and one. This is Friday night at the Speedway. Uh, again, two confident programs. The Eagles have won three straight now after starting the season 0 and two. East is terribly difficult to game plan against. A lot of teams have figured that out so far just because of their versatility. I mean, quarterback Tony Powell, who was injured in week two, uh, he's earned reps now in the past two weeks. So now you can blitz out uh, Terrence Jackson uh, and put him back at wide out, or you can keep him in a quarterback. Lance Dean has a lot of options there now on that offense. And, uh, and of course, you've got Makai Flowers out wide and in, in the dual role. He runs the football, too. Uh, and I mentioned Marcel McDaniels earlier in the show about how he rushed for 202 yards against State College. I mean, that's a legitimate defense that he shredded. So all things are clicking for CD East right now. It's going to be a tough matchup for Cumberland Valley, but again, they're playing with a lot of confidence too. So that's probably the big, the big one in central PA statewide. Yep. You know, uh, the PA football universe should probably stop for this one. Uh, LaSalle college uh, high school is five and zero. Oh. they play at, they play well. They play St. Joseph's prep. Who's number one in six. A LaSalle is number three. This will happen Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. They're going to play at Penn's, um, uh, Franklin Field there in Philadelphia. It's a huge, huge matchup in 6A. Both of these teams are championship quality. We could see either one of these in Hershey. So uh, I'll be interested in that one for sure. The other one is all the way in the other side of the state. And up north, Cathedral Prep is at McDowell um, in Erie. Uh, this is Friday night. Uh, visiting Ramblers being the ranked side in 5A. McDowell is a 6A program, uh, but this is really a big game for McDowell to kind of find out where they are. Uh, the Trojans have not yet beat a team with a winning record. Uh, they are 4-0, but 
which is as good as you get. But that includes a season opening win over Ohio's Lake Catholic, who's usually a stronghold. So McDowell earn a lot. We'll, we'll really learn a lot about their club this week against Cathedral Prep. I do have to mention, too, um, there's a small school whopper with Y missing locking up at Southern Columbia this week. That one's going to be so physical. They might as well play it in an octagon. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a phenomenal theater. Uh, so we look forward to that one as well. Good stuff. Uh, so just one thing I wanted to say earlier, um, you know, you pitch at me and I am never ready for this pitch, how field hockey goes. So I just want to make sure that when I said Emily Rissell, it's actually Emily Risser. And then yes. I can call out my own, correcting my own imperfections. Uh, but again, it doesn't take away from her dynamic play and stopping that ball on the line. So I just want to make sure that I got that in there. Emily Risser, I think she needs a Risser cream and ice cream in her name. Uh, so correcting my imperfections. We hope you had fun with us today. We had fun. We always have fun. But remember, you can find the PA High School Football Football Report on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and many more. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.